Hi everyone, it's Andy and Joel on the Stay Hungry podcast and today, Andy, what are we talking about? The 10 things I wish I'd known when I started up a business. I only asked you because I forgot the title between pressing record and speaking. It's okay, I've got the wrong title written down here. <laughs> no. I mean, for a start, it's not what I wish. It's like we, what, me and you, if we could turn back the clock to begin a business, here's some top tips that we'd strongly advise to, to take into consideration when you're starting up. Because some things you learn the easy way by investing, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Some things you learn the hard way. We're not scared to say that some things you learn the hard way. And I guess the other bit is... Sometimes you learn a lesson in life or business, but you don't learn from it. And I think if we can impart anything today, so, so other people don't have to go through it or... What was that famous quote about, you know, if you do, do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. And some people, they're doing, I don't know, a form of marketing, like an ad in the paper or whatever. And does it work for you? Or oh, I'm not sure, but it's nice to be there and show people, on the, okay, well, fair enough, brand awareness, etc. But like, you know, 10 years later... Do you know if it's doing anything for you? No, no. It's like, oh, my God. Well, you're going to get the same results. Yeah. Try something else. And like I say, it is about test and measure, which we'll come on to. Should nice. start at number one? Go on, hit I'm me. On a time limit today. Can't, I can't waffle. Uh, these are in no particular order. Uh, what do you think about this one, Joel? Can't do everything on your own just to save money. Oh, been there big time. Um, yeah, I think... The best way, well, a lot of business books I've read and, you know, the kind of Grant Cardone's of the world and... Uh, 10X, baby. Yeah. And, uh, Is he uh, the only person on Clubhouse still? Well, I don't know. Like, oh, and Eleanor Cardone. And Rob Moore. And I was Easton on it as well. Yeah. Is anyone else... I haven't been on there for ages. Is he on it to, like, slag off Robert Kiyosaki? <laughs> Maybe. But Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in learning your uh, value... The value of your own time. I'm just, so I'm just thinking about a funny post I saw. Kim Kim Kiyosaki, Kiyosaki is that right? Um, did a post about how business relationships, like marriage relationships, you've got to invest time and everything. Aren't you divorced? And Rob <laughs> commented saying that. Rob, if you're listening, I know you're on the podcast soon, but <laughs> oh, that that made me laugh on a Tuesday. So that's a plug. That's a plug I can get in there. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, we've got the disruptive entrepreneur Rob Moore coming oh, up soon. Love Rob Moore. And it all started in an airport. Yeah, you started this. Birmingham well, airport. Rob did, I think. But Fli- flicking through business books in whatever bookshop it was in the airport. So all oh, this life leverage. Oh, that looks pretty good. Almost like four-hour work week, which which we both love. Got it, and that was at the start of our Rob Moore journey. How yeah. many books he done now? I'm sure. More than us. It's more than 10. He's, yeah, 10, yeah. Bloody hell, right, okay. We, get, we need to get our act together. We've started book two now, haven't we? Roughly. <laughs> yeah. Got it Got it sketched out. Stay hungrier. Fucking <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Right. Are we moving? Oh, no, we haven't, we haven't even started. No, I haven't begun my right. story. So Robert Kiyosaki says about knowing your own worth. And I guess a good way for me to describe this is... I can't be ashamed of this anymore. I've got a cleaner and I've got a gardener. Why, why have I got a cleaner and why have I got a gardener? Because I can earn more money in the hour it takes me to mow the lawn than I can mowing the lawn myself. So the maths say, obviously there's other, if you really enjoy mowing the lawn, if it's really good for your mindset, your mental health, mow the lawn. There's, there's other measures of value. But in my case, I don't really like mowing the lawn. So pay someone else do to do it. You don't like cleaning either then? 
Not really. Who does? Does anyone like actually know some oh, people do? We watched this such a depressing program. It was about obsessives, and this it had an episode devoted to this uh, woman who was obsessed with cleaning. Oh my god, she had like cotton buds down the vents at the back of the telly, like proper you know, old school tellys, not flat screen. Yeah. Um, her kid would come back from school and she'd make him stand on the plastic mat to get his uniform off. She wouldn't spread germs and all that kind of stuff. Oh. And it was just like, bloody hell. So her life would be a lot easier with a cleaner. So, so <laughs> talk about a woman who should have outsourced her cleaning. So she loved cleaning, but I think she had probably... Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I understand some people are house proud. I'm house proud. I just don't want to... If, the reality is if there's something I'd rather be doing or if I could be earning more in that time period then I shouldn't be doing that task and that's a difficult concept to get across because we know uh, to be honest I think we've probably got people in our families that would say oh, who do you think you are don't forget where you come from all that kind of stuff just because you're paying to get your car valeted that's mm. another one yeah, so do yeah. I spend an hour and a half trying to valet my car and do an okay job or do I get it done in 10 minutes by paying the professionals to do it. Yeah, well, there's a prime example. That's something I do myself now because I enjoy it and it's a good way to switch off. So that there's a different type of value in it for me. But in the past, I know I've done tasks that I just shouldn't. Bookkeeping is a good one. Loads of business owners have been through this. Oh, I'll do my own books. And they've done their own books for so long that they're too scared to let go of it. And... I mean, even bookkeepers don't like bookkeeping. So that's, de- I mean, th- that's just probably true. So I'm going to say in this podcast that the longer you do something, the harder it is to give up. So at the beginning, when money probably is tight, you invested everything in your website and your stationery and your office, whatever it might be. Um, and you want to do the books, you want to do the selling, you want to do the networking, you, you, you want to build, some people build their website themselves. Yeah. Right? And that, that's another, you know, that's that's a whole other podcast but yeah if you're going to build your own website because a number of website providers will let you do it for free but you work it out and it's taken you 200 hours and the end result's pretty shit maybe somehow should have found that money to invest in getting it built properly that's what i tell hannah about the garden (laughs) is i can take an hour in it and the end result's shit well, the gardener can do it in 15 minutes, and it looks great. Why you buy one of those uh, robot lawnmowers? Oh, so... Expensive. But I, did, I did the maths on that as well. I was like, right, 500 quid on a robot lawnmower, or 15 quid an hour for a gardener. There's a lot of gardening before that robot lawnmower was paid for itself. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, so, so a lot of business coaches and stuff would say that the first person you need to recruit, whether, whether that's employing or outsourcing, is the admin. Those, those almost... Five pound, ten pound an hour tasks that get them off your desk. And if you can find the money legally, safely from somewhere to pay someone else to do it, if you've got true value in the business, what you can bring to the business by working on the business, growing the business, marketing the business, that's what you should be spending your time. Yeah, Uh, me and you spent probably quite a bit of time literally running around like blue ass flies trying to do everything because. On paper, it almost looks like you're saving money by doing it. And you trick yourself. You yeah. trick yourself. Oh, I'm working really hard. I've, I've worked really hard today. Oh, what have you done today, Joel? Today, today? No. Just, I, I, I mean, know. today I played pool. Uh. <laughs> I remember speaking to a guy who uh, runs a franchise. Is that someone knocking on the door? Oh, I don't know. And he'd had a really busy day. Oh, what have you been doing, Bob? Oh, well. I felt like that was a knock at the door. 
Oh, I didn't hear that at all. And there was like, but it can't be, no one's answered. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a busy day. What have you been up to, Bob? Oh, I've done so much filing. Right, okay. And it's like, and he seems to think that was a good, a good use of his day. Not knocking anyone who spends a day filing, but it's like, Bob, you told me that business is tough, surely. So yeah, there's temptations there. You look at the piece of paper that's got all your columns in, so think, well, actually, I could save myself £10 an hour if I do my books. I can save myself £11 an hour if... And it's like, if you can, get someone in to do the tasks that you know you should be doing. Because, yeah, as you rightly said, the longer you do them, bloody hell, the harder it is to let go. So that's number one. How have we done? We've spent a good chunk on that. What's number two? Number two, uh, again, in no order. Can't rely on organic marketing content alone. Oh, bloody hell. That's, yeah. We sort of knew that, but not to the extent we know it now. And it was new when I, when I started. <laughs> so, when did we start Facebook ads? Not when I started. Facebook ads didn't exist when I started. I can't think what year they launched now. But yeah, in fact, I had a meeting with a potential client this morning um, and they almost wanted to know, should they be looking at paid for marketing as in like spending money on ads and having an ad budget or paying someone to look after their organic content. And it was yeah. like, I said, well, in an ideal world, there's no either or. You do a bit of both because the organic content is important because you spend lots of money on ads. People are probably going to check you out on your website before making a decision to purchase or, or get in touch. And if they see that, I don't know, you last uploaded a piece of news to your website six months ago or you last posted on Facebook three weeks ago or your posts on Instagram are shit, you've lost them so mm. organic content is important but the paid for stuff man you, you're ice skating uphill if it's organic all alone ice skating uphill some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate see uphill. I tried to say the clean version because I'm trying to watch my language and you've ruined it with a blade quote now it's good. mind you can you ruin anything with a blade quote no I've improved everything can you ruin anything with a blade three quote I can't remember any the guy from Prison Break was in that, wasn't he? So Emma. He's Dracula, yeah, he's yeah, Dracula. Emma, Emma quite likes him, and the other brother. Um, and Triple H is in it as well. Awesome. Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds. It's quite, it's quite good is for the ladies. Ryan Reynolds, he's very annoying, yeah. What's that other film he's really annoying in? An X, X-Men one or something. Do you not like Deadpool? Oh, no, it's great in that. Um, oh, when he's crap Deadpool in, in Wolverine. Oh, uh, with the... T- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I yeah, didn't like a bit annoying. Although our go-to film every Christmas is Just Friends. Which one's that? Him and... Uh, he plays... He's a really overweight kid at the beginning, gets bullied. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Comes back as a hunk. Yeah, yeah, really. Goes back to his hometown where everyone still thinks he's the overweight kid. See, a guilty pleasure. I quite like the proposal, the one with Sandra Bullock. She's his boss and she, has, and she basically says, pretend you're my fiancé or, or you're fired. Um, because her family would see it as she's on the shelf if she goes home at Christmas and hasn't got a fiancé, and then they fall in love. Is it a really guilty pleasure? Oh, you'll, Slightly guilty. you'll judge me massively. Could I watch it sober? You've just admitted you like Just Friends. It's you know, a similar thing. Great thing, because you've been knocking drinking on the head. I've got all this telly that I watched when I'd had a few that can't really recall too much, so we're watching it all again. It's brilliant. How much of it's actually good now you're sober? Well, I'm on season four, 24, and it's brilliant. <laughs> I can't even remember what point two was. Damn it, Chloe! Oh, organic content. Oh, sorry. Yeah, basically. That's my Jack Bauer impression. Yeah, if, you're, if you think... And I mean, I guess 10 years ago when we started in business, you could post on Facebook and it would move the needle. 
but now it won't. The reality is you've got to be amazing at organic content for it to have impact on your business. Really important for your positioning, to verify your message, to verify your voice. But in terms of where you should be putting your effort, if you can pay even as low as £5 a day to make an ad drive traffic to your website, that's better than doing organic content with links. Yeah, actually the results compared to how many organic posts you'd have to get out there. Yeah. Almost uh, almost immeasurable. I mean, sometimes when you start a business, say you haven't got any money, shoe leather, hustling and a mobile phone is almost all you need. But as cool as it sounds, you just can't hustle forever. You'll keel over before you get to where you want to get. It's it's not scalable. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. And our whole marketing sales system is about growing a business, protecting it and scaling it. Yeah. And you need all three. Right. Point number three. You've got to be the weakest person in the room. Who you hang, hang around with matters a lot. So I think this applies to business and personal. We were talking about this before the podcast. That hang around with negative people, you'll end up being a negative person. Hang around with positive people, you'll end up being a positive person. It's as simple as that. That's why I'm so cheerful. <laughs> it's all the time we spend together. I hang around with successful people and success can be measured in different ways so if you spend all your time with people who are good at football chances are you'll get better at football if you spend all your time with people who are entrepreneurial and wealthy chances are you'll become more entrepreneurial and more wealthy and so this ties into almost point number one about a lot of people won't understand and support you in this they go oh yeah don't forget where you're from and all that kind of stuff because if because you almost feel a bit like Shit, I'm, I'm actually like the best footballer in the team um, and I don't want to be because I'm not learning everything. everything everyone else is, which is great, I'll do my bit, but to you, get, for me to get better, I've got to be the worst footballer. Football is a great analogy for it as well because if you think of, like it's happening with Jack Grealish at Aston Villa at the moment, so he's a big player in, in, the, in the football scene at the minute, probably going to go to Man City this summer. Where's he now? Aston Villa. So he's the best player at Aston That's Villa. I know that. Yeah. He's the best player at Aston Villa. If he goes to Man City, he won't be the best player at Man City, but he will become a better player because of it. How much are they paying for him? Well, there's been all sorts of talk of 100 million. And... Was it Trevor Brooking who was the first million pound? Yeah, player? yeah. I'm sure I remember watching that on Blue Peter or something. Showing your like age. Scandalous. People are going to pay a million pounds for a footballer. Yeah, supply and demand. It's amazing. amazing. But, yeah. And give, me, give me an example about business then. You've got to be the weakest person in the room. So, I was going to put this out there. So, I used to, I used to do an awful lot of breakfast networking. That's I first met you. Yeah. It is. And it's, in your, I remember that shiny suit still. <laughs> Winkle You still got that? No. It was great. Yeah, no, I still got it. It went as soon as I could afford a better one. <laughs> but um, at that networking club, that's obviously where we met. At the, when I joined that networking club, I was the smallest business in the room and the least experienced business in the room. Roll forward five years later, I was probably, in terms of actual business owners, because at networking you tend to get lots of junior accountants and junior solicitors, I was probably the largest business in the room and one of the more experienced business owners purely because of the scenarios I've put myself in and the things I've read and the training I've done. But I still kept going. And you and I had quite frank conversations about it where you were saying, look, you must just be doing this out of the kindness of your heart now, Joel, because you're gaining nothing. You're not, it's not moving your business forward. It's not moving your friendships forward. It's not good for your mindset. And 
probably took you a year to convince me to, to no, jack I've, it. I've done it as well. Um, the Luckily, the tipping point for me was when, uh, you know, you stand up and you do your elevator pitch in yeah. 60 seconds or whatever. Uh, a lady got up and she sang hers in a gospel style. And, and that was it for me. I think that was the last time I went to a traditional kind of breakfast network. And don't get me wrong, it's it's... It's still a good vehicle for a lot of people, and and when the country properly opens up, we'll be doing networking in some way, shape. Or oh, we're 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 both booked to go to an event in September that has lunches with the speakers as part of it, and with other delegates. That's no yeah, different. So, I mean, networking is awesome, but it's the room you're in, mm. and like you, like you say, if if a large proportion of the room are non-decision makers you know, junior assistants, accountants, lawyers, it doesn't matter what industry, but they're there representing a company, but they've got no decision-making. So they can accept business, but they certainly can't pass business. It's like... And they can't teach you anything. Can't learn anything. That's... that's Which sounds... Sounds... I know what my mum would say. Oh, that's very selfish. You can learn anything from anything, anyone, Andrew. Very selfish, Andrew, if that's what yeah. you say. You've changed. Don't forget where you're from. But that's different. If you choose, like... Something you may choose to do as a business owner, maybe you choose to go and lecture for free one hour a week at a business school, mm. and that's your way of giving back. That's a good use of your time. Go into a networking club where you're no longer gaining anything, and potentially you can't buy anything from anyone anymore either because they're not operating in the same space as you. you all you're doing is wasting your time. Yeah, if you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and that could be online as well. You know, when you look at your, your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn connections, the stuff you're seeing in your feed, if, if that doesn't educate, inspire, or, or entertain you, maybe you need to have a close look at your, your I, online contacts. I as just well. get goggins all the time now on my YouTube. I go onto YouTube and just get Stay hard. smashed with goggins. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, the more I watch of it, the more I get given. But it's entertaining, but sometimes I, I need something a bit softer. There's certainly no feeling sorry for yourself. You want yeah. Have you read his book yet? No. Very good. Very good. What's next? Uh, if I go back, probably should have got some kind of coach or mentor. 100%. Um, we should talk about athletes again, couldn't we? Sports people comes back to affordability everyone in a startup business saying well if i can afford a mentor i'd get one but not all coaches and mentors are paid for that's really important point you can dm somebody on instagram and they can inadvertently become your mentor just with a bit of back and two um chances are there's someone in your circle already who's had success it might not be in business it could be in sports it could be could be in anything but they will be able to impart knowledge to you that you don't have but yeah i mean going to the library you could get this but i mean that does to be honest almost lead on to number five which is probably should have read more not just about about business and marketing but mindset so that that learning from a person or in fact a book podcast youtube whatever floats your boat it's it's important and like when i mentioned about athletes like every athlete or every footballer, there'll be a manager, a coach. And to be honest, it won't probably just be one coach. They'll have a coach for this, a coach for that, a mentor for this. Oh, yeah. You think of a Premier League football team, they'll have a sports psychologist, they'll have fitness coach, they'll probably have a physiotherapist, they'll have mindset coach, they'll have attack coach, defence coach, free kick coach. I mean, if you told me 10 years ago about 
the importance of mindset. I just thought it was a yeah, total load of bollocks. So do you think that's a, a journey a lot of business owners have to go on? I, I was thinking about this the other day. When you work by yourself, particularly when you're starting out and it's you against the world, it's very you become very driven and very blinkered, I'd say, quite quickly because you've got to push hard to make ends meet. But that can also make you quite closed. And actually, when you reach the next step, the bit where everything's starting to pay for itself, you you know, you can afford to go on holiday again, maybe you've got a mortgage or, or whatever, you actually need to become really open-minded. And that means consuming as much information as you can, be it books, clients, staff, mentors, coaches. And that's a massive shift. And I think I think a lot of businesses fail at that point where they go from an individually driven enterprise where you're not up for debate, you're not up for discussion, you're certainly not willing to learn things because you know best. And you can be very, very successful at that. You know, we know car dealerships, we know all sorts of businesses that have been driven by a single person being completely blinkered. I mean, you could argue Elon Musk has done it at Tesla, just completely gone for it. But a lot of businesses fail at that point where they need to bring in outside expertise and need to listen to a coach think about their mindsets think about their physical health you know I, I got a personal trainer last year to help me cope with the things I'd have to deal with in business not to help me necessarily be fitter and healthier I think I mean I do think there's a lot more awareness about us all now um, but I still think there are there are some some business owners you, you just can't teach they know everything and it's almost a sign of defeat if they, why do I need a mental, mental mindset coach? I'm, I'm really positive. Why do I need to even outsource my marketing? You know, I'm, I'm great at my marketing. It's like, well, you just told me your business is shit, so you can't be that good. And, and it isn't admitting defeat to, uh, to ask for help. And that, like you say, that could be someone you DM on Instagram, or it could be someone you pay for on an ongoing basis. But generally speaking, most successful people, no matter what field they're in, will have some kind of coach supporting them. So, mm. so yeah, so then number five about, yeah, reading more, absolutely, reading, podding, whatever, um, everything you need to know, to be honest, about marketing, and, and I think in business, they're on the bookshelves here, and our guys know, well, they're part of a book club, when they come on board, there's no choice about the fact there's, there's two hours put aside in each person's diary here. So Every week, yeah. yeah. Um, number seven, uh, oh no, let's get number, number six. six. Employ people who are better than you at specific skills. Yeah. <coughs> very tricky. Very tricky because. You want to be top dog. Well, yeah. Yeah. There's an element of wanting to be top dog. And there's also talent acquisition, finding people who are, you know, if you, chances are, if you've managed to build your business to a decent size, you're probably quite good at whatever it is you do. So then you've got to pick the areas where you're missing and find the right people, get them to understand your culture. But, you know, I, I think we, things like client communications, maybe that's where you and I aren't at our strongest, but we've got people in the team who love that. So it's, you know, and as we grow, we've got someone joining us in early September who for, fingers crossed touch wood is uh an absolute marketing beast and he should come in and be better than any of us but it doesn't mean he will be better than the stay hungry method but he will bring skills that i remember reading a story about um henry ford um 
and basically the government were trying to shut him down, allegedly, because he, he had a monopoly on basically car building in the US. And almost like trying to catch him out, these, these federal judges or whatever went, went to his offices and were firing all these questions at him. Um, and there were some questions he didn't know the answer to. And his point was, no, no, no I can press a, buzz, a buzzer and I can have someone up here in the office within 30 seconds who'll have the answer to any question you throw at me. And that was his point. And obviously he won that they didn't shut him down. But that's thing, you don't... And it's hard as a business owner, that, that control thing again. You, you don't have to be the best... Attempt a thing. Get a buzzer. Well, that'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Just press a buzzer and someone will come and. Like a bat phone. That'd be even cooler. I used to call my old phone the bat phone. It makes me shiver now. <laughs> it's got all the numbers on it that I've blocked that I don't want to speak to. But yeah, to, to get to get someone in, to get people into your business who who are better, like you know, even if you're great at doing the books, which we talked about in point number one, you want to get someone in who's better at doing the books than you. Yeah, there's always someone out there better than you at whatever it is. And as an entrepreneur, business owner, it's your responsibility to find them and bring them into your team. It's almost like being what we talk about being, being the weakest person in the room. You know, if you're going to employ staff, but they're all none of them have skills that are better than yours, it's like, well, you're missing a massive chip there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So number seven, boring but important: strict terms and conditions. Yeah, mate. Pandemic talks that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the scenario where a pandemic hits your business in, in March and in April, all your clients are gone. That'll tell you why you need terms and conditions. Yeah, and obviously so many businesses, you know, because obviously it affected certain industries more than others, of course, you know, restaurants shutting overnight and, and so on. But there are lots of service-based businesses out there that their, their clients just, just stopped and there's, there's no piece of paper. You know, they just got told unprecedented times. I mean, how many times that's been quoted? Um, and you need to look after yourself. And, and I wish everything could be done on a handshake. Like, in, the, in fact, you can't even shake hands in anyway, on an elbow bump. But it's just clearer to get everything written down in paper. This is what I'm going to do for you and when. This is what you pay me in return and when. Yeah. And, and job done and no unpleasantness and hopefully no small prints either. But just it's it's fair for everyone, um, and sometimes you can. And obviously, I guess there's you know this sounds personal, but there's personal bits in all of what we're saying because some things again we have learned the hard way when you really bend over backwards to help someone, and then for whatever reason it could be a pandemic. It's no one's fault. They bin you again. It's not that client's fault for binning mm. you. They they just got to respond to the market and what happens. But you shouldn't bear the brunt of that either. And so it's just protecting yourself as much as you protect and look after the people you help. Yeah, as long as people come into it with their eyes open, you know, our terms and conditions aren't small print that's hidden away. So here they are, you can read them. Everyone is coming into that transaction with their eyes open. This is, this is your minimum. This is where we're at. This is what we expect. Do you agree to these? If not, fine, we won't do business, but it's important. Yeah, yeah. So, so... I guess businesses, or a lot of businesses and business models go one way or the other there. They do no contract and, and no tie-in. So it's literally pay us every month. When you want to leave, just cancel and yeah. you're off. Or you go down the contracted route. But I should stress, I suppose, it's only worth going down the contract route if you're willing to enforce it, because otherwise it's just a waste of time. You've just paid your list a lots of money for nothing. And we've been there too, but we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, right. Enforcing it, not waste <laughs> our money. Was just, she was great. Uh, right, number eight, say no 
to the wrong potential business. Oh, I've got a checkbook here, Joel. I want to work with you. Come on. Oh, I'll give you God. 10 grand. Give me 10 grand. I, I'm, still, I'm still not that good at this. And, and Saying no. We could do a podcast about saying no. Yeah. Saying no is a whole I, lot of But if, if other people out there can learn from me on this, if your gut feeling is this business would be bad for you, it doesn't matter how much money that person's offering you, and that's an important point, no amount of money will be worth it if it doesn't pan out. We've seen a lot of um, franchises, and to us, we're, we're big fans of franchises, but we've seen a number of franchises go tits up because the franchisor accepts every checkbook that's waved in front of them. Someone's willing to give him or her thousands of pounds to buy their territory or region, whatever. You think, actually, I don't think this person's going to be a good fit for, for my franchise, my name, everything I've ploughed in, into setting up this network. Thanks, but no thanks. I've got to think of the big picture. Yeah. Very hard to do. And again, that's why so many franchises have, have gone south because they end up with too many of the wrong people in the network. Yeah, values are a big one that comes into this. It's, if people don't align with your values, you'll never you'll never make it work. It, even if you really want to, even if you think, oh, they're paying us a fortune. I mean, we used to call it a dickhead charge, DHC. People that people <laughs> that pay that. people that pay double or triple because you know they're going to be a pain in the ass, but it doesn't work. No, no amount of money is is worth it. If if you turn your emails on and you see a client's name and your first thought is, oh God, that's that's just not good. And whether they're paying double the price or what, that's just not good. And do you hear that? It sounds like there was an elephant upstairs. Um, and we do feel your pain if you're in that situation, because again, who wants to say no to money that's being waved under your nose? But it's it will it will turn around to bite you. Yeah. What's next? Next, next. Uh, number nine. Um, probably wish I had put email on my phone. I suppose that that could also be giving. Clients, suppliers, the world, and his wife, your mobile number. Make yourself too accessible, Joel. Yeah. I haven't had email on my phone now for a year. Is it wonderful? It's a dream. It's an absolute We dream. did it years ago, then got back into bad habits. You were very good at one point. I've only got Gmail on my phone now. For emergencies. That, that, that's yeah, I've got Hotmail on mine, but that's literally to tell me if my Amazon deliveries have been delivered. Nothing, nothing work-related. Um, yeah, I used to give my mobile number to everyone I met. I used to give my email address to everyone, you know, give out a business card. I'd say most business cards I see and most email signatures I see have that person's mobile number. Why? Is that the only way of getting hold of them? Because there are some people, no matter how strict you might think you are in your, your onboarding process, who will take the pin. If you say someone only called me between nine and five, 90% of people, not maliciously, will call you at six. Somebody messaged me on LinkedIn at the weekend. Okay. I'll let you guess who they are. Okay. And said, here's my mobile number if you ever fancy a catcher. Uh, right. Okay. Their first name begins with J and their second name begins with J. Ah. Uh, yeah, I haven't called. <laughs> and we've and to us some people have got really funny what do you mean you won't give me your mobile number I'll, I'll only call you in a minute I'll give you a mobile number if you want it just won't be mine <laughs> <laughs> give, give my mother she says no one ever calls her yeah it's it's again when someone calls you at 8 o'clock on a Friday night they're not deliberately trying to wind you up they just maybe that's when they're working I, and assume or think oh well 
probably. I had a dilemma with this at the weekend, or maybe Friday, and I, 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 we're absolutely right in this advice: is don't bloody be accessible to everyone all the time, however you do it, but just don't be because it be the breaking of you. But someone within one of our circles, so someone who knows one of our coaches mm-hmm. and friends with, put a bit of a call out saying, "I'm really struggling at the moment. Can can, is it, can I speak to any of you guys?" And some of our peers in that group put their mobile numbers on there. And selfishly or not, I've messaged this guy separately, but selfishly, I thought, bloody hell, I would never put my mobile number in a public forum like that. I would either. Yeah. And some people might, again, might think that's that's pretty harsh, but I guess it's because we've been there. We've been slave to our phones, evenings, weekends, um, which is time with your family it's time doing what you want and unless you're a bloody heart surgeon or something there's there's not many emergencies there's not many occasions where someone it's okay for them to call you at eight o'clock i'll give a good example and if she's listened to the podcast i've already told you this was out of order so deal with it (laughs) um you gave someone we know your mobile number because you'd invited them to a sports dinner Mm mm-hmm uh, in case he couldn't find the car park mm-hmm. and then to obviously let you know he was there so he could come and join us on the table and you said to him in the message because I saw the message please don't use this number for any other purposes this is my personal mobile number roll forward two and a half years later and they had a problem that was no cause of ours and you get a phone call on that mobile at the weekend asking you to fix something that wasn't your fault that's why you should be protective of your email and your mobile. And the thing is, if you decide to give your details out, you've got to accept that that's your fault. So when a client back in the day did call me at eight o'clock on a Friday night, I was I, I wasn't rude, but I was like, I just about to have dinner with my kids. You know, it's not right. You contact me at eight. He's like, well, whose fault is it? Is it is it mine for calling or you for answering? And it's like. Uh, and then it became crystal clear it's it's my fault it's my responsibility so people want my mobile number now just know yeah because if you hadn't answered I guess and then he'd emailed to say I was really unhappy that you didn't answer that call to me it was important then you could fire back I was having dinner with my kids yeah that's yeah what's the next one next one last one last but not least uh, oh right <laughs> uh, not responding to requests in the evenings, weekends. Well, that's happening, okay. isn't it? Are those two the same things? So, your phone? if your business is roughly nine to five, Monday to Friday, this is who we're talking to, aren't we? No, this is doing work, is it? Not yeah. Working? So, I don't know, solicitor, accountant, marketing company. If generally you work between the hours of eight and six, Monday to Friday, if you start replying to emails at 10 at night or... 7.30 on a Sunday morning, people will expect to be able to access you at 10 at night or 7.30 on a Sunday morning. And we've worked with businesses on a marketing point where we've said to their CEOs, their directors, tell your team to stop emailing at nine at night because one, it gives the impression you're accessible and two, it gives the impression that you won't be doing as good a job as you would be if you were working in normal hours. Whether or not that's true, the perception is if you're working on my stuff at two in the morning, 
you might not be doing as good a job as you could be if yeah. it was normal time. Yeah. I remember um, designing and writing a web page for clients uh, on a Saturday and emailing it to them on Saturday night. And I guess because, like most business people, they had all their work, emails and everything on their phone. Uh, they responded to me as well. And for quite a while, they try and contact me at the weekends. Again, totally my fault. And it just takes that bit of, I guess, retraining. But it's much easier if you get those parameters set at the beginning yeah. and then everyone's happy. Hugely. That's all people want, clarity. So hopefully we've given a bit of insight into things that will help people early on in their business and maybe 20 years into their business. But yeah, It's they're difficult things to do. But when you can get them right, oh, pay themselves off in spades.